alive. It's not dead. God is not dead. His word is not dead. Praise the Lord for that. I'm telling you, when you get that in your heart, that God is not dead, his word is not dead, I'm not dead. Woo! It's not only no, it's not dead. It's active. It's powerful. Do you need power in your life? This is where you're going to find it. This is where you're going to get it in the word of God. It is living. It is powerful. And it is sharper than two-edged sword. It's sharp. It divides asunder the soul from the spirit. And it knows the, the condition of our heart. It discerns my thoughts. It discerns my thoughts. Before I even have a chance to think my thoughts out, the Spirit of God is already has discerned my thoughts. That's powerful to me. That is so powerful that the Word of God will be alive, that will be powerful, sharper than two-edged sword. And it's in your hands. It's in your mouth. And when you speak that word out of your mouth, it becomes all these things that the word of God says it is. It's active. And acti the activity of the word of God, it is that, uh, he, 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 God is for you. God will see to it that the things that, that he has spoken over you will come to pass. Not to worry about it. The things that God has spoken over you and me will come to pass. And sharper than two-edged sword. What, what, what is that? He becomes a weapon in your hand. When you speak that word out of your mouth, it becomes a weapon. Praise the Lord. This is just a freebie. It's not my message. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I just thought I'd put that in there. Glory to God. Father, we just thank you tonight for that word. We thank you, Lord, that your word sets us free. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> it, your word caused faith to come into our heart. And we, we came to you, Lord, and we accepted you as our Lord and Savior. Your word, Father God, it's in our hearts tonight. And when it comes out of our mouth, we can have whatsoever we say. Hallelujah. Thank you for your word tonight. Thank you for the, your people here tonight. Thank you, Father, that, that this word that will come out of my mouth, it's the word of God and will set the captives free, Father God, tonight. It will set the captives free. It will heal the sick. Hallelujah. It will set at liberty those that are oppressed. Thank you, Jesus. It is your word, Father God. 
Glory to God. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, I'm just going to tell you about a little bit about this message. I asked God a question in June, the beginning of June. And uh, he started to answer my question about July. And uh, he taught me many things through the month of July and the month of August. And uh, I asked him this question, simple. Why the church today, and I'm not talking about a particular church. I'm talking about the body of Christ, the church. Why the church today is not as powerful as it was in the day, in the, in the, in the book of Acts, as we read all the activities that was taking place. The word has not changed. It's the same Jesus, the same God, the same word, but we don't seem to, 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 to see the things that they were seen. And so I just ask a question, just simple question. How come? And so I, uh, in the, the end of June, I was, my husband and I, we left to go to Europe. We went to, we went preach for one week at, in Ukraine. And then we went to Greece and then, um, and uh, we, we didn't do too much there. We just enjoyed the sun. Uh, but all that while, God would speak a word here and a word there. Not very much, just one word here, one word there. And one day, I was walking down the street all by myself, and I heard idolatry. I heard the word idolatry, and I knew really deep in my heart that this was part of my answer that, the, that I had asked, uh, the question that I had asked a month before. And so I said, okay, Lord, you've got to uh, elaborate a little bit more than just uh, one word. And so, but with that word, scripture came into to my mind. And, uh, of course, I didn't have my Bible with me, so I, it took me a little while to find it uh, when I get home. And uh, I want you to turn to 1 Kings chapter, um, let me see, I have my notes here. First <laughs> um, Kings 11. First Kings 11. And we're going to read a little bit about Solomon. And we know how Solomon, he was a chosen by God. He was a, he was a man uh, that God chose. And, uh, and uh, he, uh, uh, he gave him all the wisdom that he needed. It. I mean, he, he was the man. But Solomon, in all the wisdom that he had, he fell away from God. All that wisdom that he had, it's a sad thing that he fell away from God. And so <coughs> he went after, well, I'm, I'm not, not going to read everything, but uh, uh, go to chapter 11 and verse 1. It says, now King Solomon loved many foreign 
women, along with the daughters of Pharaoh and so forth and so forth, and there were all these names. Then on verse 3, um, no, let's go to verse 2. From the nations concerning which the Lord had said to the sons of Israel, you shall not associate with them, neither shall they associate with you, for they will surely turn your heart away after their gods. And Solomon had held fast to this in love. He fell in love with these women. And there were not one or two, by the way. You know, there were 700 of them. And then I calculated this afternoon, so once every three years, the one soldier is the guy. You know? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm on the wives. Can you think about it? I'm on the wives. They had a convention, 703,000 women in there. Hey, have you seen what's his name? Uh, actually, no. I don't remember. I think it was about three years or three and a half years ago that I saw him. <laughs> he had 700 wives. God bless his little heart. <laughs> I don't know. But in verse 4, it says, For it came about when Solomon was old, his wives turned his heart away after other gods and his heart was not wholly devoted to the Lord his God as the heart of David his father had been now he, he goes on he says he, that he built he built huge uh, goddess and you know uh, Ashtoreths and goddess of Sardonians and all these people, and Solomon did what was evil in the sight of God. And he did not follow the, the Lord fully as David his father done. Then Solomon built high places. He's not only a disobeyed God and he built all these kind of things, but he built high places, which meant that he built places for his wives to bring their idols and their God in there. And they go and they worship in those places. And they... and. So here he not only defiled himself, he defiled the land by doing what he did. Now, uh, Solomon, we know that God re rejected Solomon, but he said because of the sake of David, he will not take the kingdom out of his hand, but he will not allow his sons to become king. Then there is another place, there is another scripture in, verse in chapter 15. And this is another man. His name is Asa. <coughs> and in verse 11, uh, 15 and in verse 11, he says, he also, he, And Asa did what was right in the sight of the Lord, like David his father. This, this guy, Asa, uh, David was his great-grandfather. And he says that he also put away the male prostitutes from the land and removed all the idols which his fathers had made. You see, it's progression. One guy did it, then the guy, other guy continued to do it, the other guy continued to do it, and this guy came in and he, re, he 
restructure some of it, but not all of it. Because he says, and he also uh, move, uh, removed the Micah, his mother. This is actually it's not his mother, but the Bible calls it the mother. But the historian says it is his, his uh, grandmother from being a queen mother because she had made a, a horrid image. And this guy, he came in and he took that and he cut it down and he burned it. But in verse 14, he says the high places were not removed. High places were not removed, were not taken away. Nevertheless, the heart of Asa, it was wholly devoted to the Lord all his days. That was another question that I had with the Lord. And I said, excuse me, but I don't really get this. The guy comes in and removes some of the stuff, but the high places are still intact, still in place. And you're saying here that his heart was wholly devoted to the Lord. That sends me a mixed message here. Either my heart is devoted to God, my whole heart is devoted to God, and I do everything right, but some of the things I don't do right. How can my heart be devoted to God? Then the, other, the answer came, traditions. Traditions. You know how we all have traditions. I don't expect none of you here today that you have a little corner in your house and you have your, your, your uh, statue there and every morning you get up and you go and offer incense and, and, and pray to this idol. I, I, I'm sure none of you have anything like that in your homes, at least I hope not. But I'm, I'm sure, I'm almost sure that none of you have anything like that in your home. I don't have anything in my home. But when God says traditions, I thought, yeah, there is lots of them around. There is lots of traditions that we pass from generation to generation to generation. And I can almost identify with this king, Asa, because his forefathers had all these high places. They had all these things. And they had become traditions. They did not see anything wrong with them. They just, it was a tradition. It was just part of life. It was just something that they did all the time. They went up to the high places. They offered sacrifice. They prayed to their gods. They, they burnt uh, offerings. And, and they offered incense. And they did that all the time. My forefathers did that too. Actually, my Relatives still do it. They offer incense and candles and, and light up whatever and, and all that kind of stuff. And I can identify with that. And I say, God, you're right. You're very right. In Matthew chapter 15, in verse 3, 
Matthew 15 and verse 3, it says, this is, this is Jesus is talking. And he says, and why do you yourselves transgress the commandment of God for their sake of your traditions? Why do you yourselves transgress the commandments of God for your traditions? You say, well, I don't have an idol in my house. I don't worship anything in my house. But you, with your traditions, then other place says you nullify the word of the Lord. You make void the word of God with your traditions. Those traditions have become our idols. Those traditions they have passed down from generation to generation to generation. I come from a land. I come from, from background. That this year, because of God opened up my eyes, I saw the idolatry. I saw it in such a way, it broke my heart. It broke my heart. Not only the people that they don't know God walking in idolatry, but the people that they do know God do things that they're not supposed to be doing because of our traditions. Now, I'm not in your, in your home, and I'm not in your hearts. And you have to examine your hearts tonight. I think God is talking to us, specifically to us, because we want more of God. We want to do the things that God is, will please God. We want to be the head and not the tail. We want to be above and not beneath. We want to be the, the people that God has called us to be. To walk in victory, to walk with power and anointing of the Holy Spirit. It's not enough to say that we are anointed. We are to do the anointing. When I was in Greece, I was, I, I was just, um, um, my, my, my husband and I were at the city one day, and uh, my, we were waiting for my sister to come, and we were just sitting at this little square, and there were a lot of people there. Like It was early in the morning, by, by the way, but probably about 9, 10 o'clock in the morning, and there was this little church there. And the church, it was open, and I watched. I can, I can safely say, without exaggerating, over 150 people would just go in and come out, go in and come out. We were there for about an hour, and we watched. I, I, I sat there, and all along, the Lord was teaching me about idolatry. And so I watched these people go into the church and come out of the church, go into the church and come out of the church. I watched people coming to the church, going 
going through the, the square, and because the church is there, this is a Greek tradition, by the way, you cross yourself. So I watch people crossing themselves, and some of them going in, and some of them coming out, and crossing themselves, and, you know, and all that kind. I knew exactly what they were doing inside, because I came out of it. They were lighting up candles. They were praying to Mary. They were praying to saying whoever. They were praying to, you know, and I watched them, and the Lord said to me, dead going in, dead coming out. Dead going in, dead coming out. And all, and all the time, I would hear in my heart, idolatry, idolatry, idolatry. All the time, I hear that in my heart. You know, it's not the big things that, are, that we set in our houses, like the big, the big statues and, you know, and all these kind of things. Solomon, after he wrote the, the, the Song of Solomon, you know what he wrote in there? He says, it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. He realizes it's the little foxes. It's the things that I, that I let go because I love those wives so much. I let them bring their idols into the land. I let them keep them. I built, them, I built places for them. And finally he realized that those little foxes had destroyed the vine. You and I have to look really close in our hearts to see is our vine healthy or it's, the, it's deteriorating because there's some little foxes in there that are destroying the vine. And I'm sure, I don't know if you understand it all, to, all this, but coming from a country that we have lots of grapevines, you don't see those foxes because they're, their grapevines are l very luscious, very, very full of leaves and green. And those little th foxes are underneath, underneath the fo foliage, and you don't see them uh, from, from the top. You don't see them. God wants us to open up our eyes, our spiritual eyes, and check our hearts, check ourselves, and see are there any little foxes in there? Are there any traditions in there that will destroy our minds? Thank you, Jesus. In Mark <coughs> chapter 7 and verse 8, it says, Never neglecting the commandment of your God, you hold to the traditions of men. Neglecting the commandments of God. This is Jesus speaking again here. We hold to the traditions of men. This is not God. This is not right. Let's go back to 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 King uh, the the book of Kings, First uh, Kings, chapter um, twenty-eight. 
22. And he, <coughs> me, and he still talked about this king Asa. And he walked in all the ways of Asa. Verse 43. As his father, he did not turn aside from it, doing right in the sight of the Lord. However, the high places were not taken away. The people still offered sacrifices, sacrificed and burnt incense on the high places. Because he did not think it was anything wrong with those little things. In the New Testament, I actually didn't know that how many times it talks about idolatry. In the book of Acts, number 50, uh, chapter 15 and verse 20, this is, a, this is a story. Well, I shouldn't say it's a story, but it's, it's, uh, they, they, there were a lot of people were coming to Jesus. There were a lot of uh, not Jewish people, but there were uh, uh, just a, you know, like uh, um, well, how should I call them? Um, Gentiles. They were coming to Jesus, and uh, the disciples they didn't know how to treat them. What should we do with these people that they're coming to Jesus? So one disciple would say that uh, they have to be circumcised because that's what they knew. They were circumcised. The other disciple said, mm, no, no, they shouldn't be circumcised. Well, you can read it for yourself. We don't have time to, to read all those things. But in, in verse 11, it says, um, uh, but we believe that we are saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus in the same way as they also are. And all the multitude kept silent, and they were listening to Barnabas and Paul as they were relating what signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. And after they had stopped speaking, James answered, saying, Brother, listen to me. Simeon has relayed how God first concerned himself about taking from among the Gentiles people for, he, for himself. And, when, and with this, the words of the prophet agree, just as it is written. And he says, after these things I will return, and I will rebuild the tabernacle of David, which he has fallen, and I will rebuild its ruins, and I will restore it, in order that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord. And all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord who makes these things, knows from old. Therefore, it is my judgment that we do not trouble those who are turning to God from among the Gentiles, but that we write to them that they abstain from things contaminated by idols. That was the only criteria that James 
wanted to write to these to these Gentiles. He didn't want them circumcised. He didn't want them change their their clothing. He didn't want them to look like the Jews. He didn't want them to do anything. All he said it is write to them that they abstain from idols. And then he goes on from fornication and from what is strangled and from the blood, you know, and, and then he goes on to say what Moses, you know, did all that. And they agreed. They agreed that that's all these Gentiles need to know, that to abstain from idols. I find it very interesting that there's so much more that they could have said to them. But James, a, 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 a man full of God, full of the Holy Spirit, said to abstain from idols. <coughs> so, in 1 John chapter 5, You know, John the Apostle here, I, I, be, I, I have become so much appre to appreciate this disciple, this, this godly man. I'm all, I'm, uh, I have fallen in love with him, about his writings and about the way he, he talks and, and he shares the, the Jesus with, with the people. He writes to them. In, in chapter 5 and, and verse 21. Little children, guard yourselves from idols. Little children. He addresses them as little children. He writes to you and me today, little children, guard yourselves from idols. I think this is very important. That we don't give in to, to our fleshly desires. That we don't give in to, to things that they don't amount to anything. John says, little children, God, guard, guard yourselves. Guard. That's a big word. Guarding something. It's, it's very precious. Something that is our heart is very precious to God. And we are to, to guard our heart. In another place, he says, guard your heart with all diligence. Guard yourselves from idols. First Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 14.
we're just going to read it a little bit further up because you gotta you gotta read the before and the after to see why this little thing is there. Now this is this is uh, Paul writes to the Corinthians, and he tells them actually to avoid Israel's mistakes. Israel made a lot of mistakes, and I mean. Look at them, what they did. Uh, they're coming out of Egypt, and they murmur and they complain. And what is the first thing they did? They made an idol to take them back to Egypt. God wasn't enough. Put yourself in their shoes. Here God is taking you out of Egypt. He, that is a miracle on itself. Taking three million people out of Egypt, loaded down with gold, loaded down with everything that they, the, their heart could desire. He takes them through the Red Sea without stepping in a puddle of water, on a dry ground, this is what the Bible says, he put them through on the dry, dry ground. I mean, think about it. It was not one, 10, 20, 50, 100, 200, 2,000, 5,000, uh, 10,000, 3 million with their little babies, with their animals, whatever they had, all their possessions, their camels, their donkeys, their roosters, their chickens, their whatever they had. Okay? Their cows, their sheep, the goats. And they come to the other side. And all of a sudden, Moses goes up to the mountain. And the Israelites gather all the gold that the Egyptians had loaded on them, and they gave it to Aaron, and Aaron made the calf. And this calf is going to lead them back to Egypt. So you can see Paul is talking to Corinthians here and says, don't, don't make the same mistakes that the, the Israelites did. All these things in the Old Testament was they were put down in a, in a form of a book so we can read them, we can look at them, and don't repeat the same stuff that the Israelites did. But what do we do? We do the same things that the Israelites do. We grumble and complain, and God doesn't answer prayer. So where is my idol? In verse 6, it says, Now these things happen as an example for us, that we should not crave evil, evil things as they also craved. You see, that's another big word. Craving. Craving is a big word. Do you ever crave for something that you go across town to get it? Yeah. And do not be idolaters. And do not be idolaters. 
as some of them were, as it is written. The people sat down to eat and drink and stood up to play. And let us act immorally as some of them did. And 23,000 fell on in that day. Not let us try, try the Lord as some of them did and were destroyed by the serpents. Nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. You see, there's so much in this scripture here. Now these things happened to them as an example, and they were written for your our instructions upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to men. And God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted and beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also that you may be able to endure it. Therefore, my beloved, therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. Flee from idolatry. If I understand the word flee is, is run in terror. Don't even, don't even stick around for a moment. Flee from idolatry. In Galatians chapter 5 and verse 20, <clears throat> Paul is talking to Galatians. He's talking to them about walking in the Spirit. I Start from verse 17. For the flesh sets its desire against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you, are, you, you please. But if you're led by the spirit, you're not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evidence, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, and the big word, idolatry. Right smacked up in the middle of all these things, it is idolatry. Sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outburst of anger, disputes, dissensions, and functions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like this of which I have forewarned you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Then he continues to give the fruit of the Spirit. But the deeds of the flesh and those are the deeds of the flesh. Idolatry is the deeds of the flesh. Your flesh 
is, well, it, it ruled us for so long that now that we have become spiritual people, it's very hard for the flesh to take second place. But we can afford to allow our flesh to tell us what to do. We can't. It is a must that we draw nigh unto God and he will draw nigh unto us. In John chapter 15, in the book of John, chapter 15, the gospel of John, however you want to call it. I read some of the accounts of John. He called himself, he kept, he kept saying that I am the disciple that Jesus loved. And I, I read about that, and I thought about that so much. I am the disciple that Jesus loved. And look what happened. Look what he did. He wrote the Gospel of John, which is the most incredible book there is in the Bible. As far as I'm concerned, the Gospel of John is tops. He wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And then he wrote Revelation. And I can imagine John sitting down with Jesus. Now this is a grown-up man. He's not a child. Sitting with Jesus. And here is John in the arms of Jesus, resting his head on his Jesus' shoulders. I just, just like, I almost have to, to cry with that. You know, it is so, it's such a vivid picture in my mind how John must have loved Jesus, but how much Jesus loved John. At one point, Peter said to Jesus, uh, what about this guy? What about this man? Like, uh, there were two, the two, John and, and, and Peter. And, and uh, I wish I had put it down uh, to find it tonight. It, it was amazing. It's an amazing scripture. And, and uh, Peter, and uh, what about this guy, this John? And, and Jesus said to Peter, what's that to you? You follow me. What's that to you? He says, you follow me. Here, John is the beloved disciple of Jesus. And John has no problem telling that to the world. I'm the one that Jesus loved. I'm telling you, this week I was in my house and I kept saying, I'm the disciple that Jesus loves. I'm the disciple that Jesus loves. You know, John did not have a mo monopoly on that. You are the disciple that Jesus loved. 
I am the disciple of Je whom Jesus loves. And when, when I, I say that, you see, John received revelation beyond anybody, any of us ever. But you know, you can receive revelation for your life. For your business, for your kids, for, for your church. But John wrote, like we read, my little children, stay away from idols. John must have been a pure-hearted man. Pure. How do we stay pure? Chapter 15 it says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it that it may bear more fruit. Well, we all understand that part. The word of God cleans us. God does not seek the devil on you to clean you. The word of God cleans you up. You are clean, the Bible says, through the word that it was spoken to you. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Which one, which part we don't understand? We see a natural tree out there, and it has its branches on, and they're all producing fruit when that fruit is in season. They're all producing. 